Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Do you know that the men are going to be raptured first? Did you know that? I'll give you a scripture for that. In Revelation, it says there was quiet in heaven for 30 minutes. So, we're definitely, we're definitely not a woke group here, okay? I just, all right. It's good to be back. Um, I know you missed me. <laughs> I want to, I want to thank everybody for, uh, for making available my time. We had such a wonderful time. I thank Bishop and and uh, Pastor Willie and Lisa and, and uh, Nico, Deanna, all of you preached and covered. It was really awesome. We had a wonderful time. Got to go to Texas for a graduation for our granddaughter. Uh, brought the grandbabies, came back with us. So we had teenage grandsons with us for a whole month. Praise God, I had to come back to work to relax. And, uh, but it was good. Went, I had an opportunity to go to um, Pastor Jack Taylor's memorial service. He was our spiritual father, mine, such a special man. We had people come from all over um, and just attribute the amazing touch and legacy he had was just incredible, really inspired us. Got to spend a bunch of time with Leif Hetland, so uh, Mama Ginny and myself and Katie got to spend and invited Leif to come. He may be part of the tent. You know, we're setting up the tent, right, Neil? The tent's coming? Right, it's supposed to come, so we're going to, from September 21st to the 28th, to morning of the 29th, we're going to do 24-7, we're setting the tent up out here, we got a brand new tent Neil has ordered, it's supposed to get here, praise God, we're believing that, and so we are going to do a set of revival, we've invited uh, a bunch of folks to come, and so we'll see, we want to set aside, you want to set aside tabernacles, that's September 21st to the 29th is tabernacles. And we're going to tabernacle with the Lord. We're going to, we're going to call on the, the covenant promises that He said. The tabernacle of David would dwell among us. So we need worship teams. We'll have folks to be able to be part of that. We're just believing for the Lord. But I also want to honor some folks that are with us here this morning. Some, we got generals in our midst. Uh, I want to welcome Elliot Tepper, David and his family. Some of you know Elliot. He's preached here. He's just been um, amazing. Uh, leads the Patel Ministries, but it's also really awesome to have uh, his family here as well. So good to have all of you with us this morning. And then it's good to see Chester, one of our founding elders here. Yeah, praise God. It's good to see Chester back. And, and then Rick Vance. Rick, where are you living these days? Maryland. Okay, praise God. Rick. All right, West Virginia. Well, it's, uh, it's good to have some of the visitors back, and there's others here that this morning, and so it's good to have you with us. Um, where is Lynn? I don't... Oh, there she is. You're not sitting together. Is she mad at you? No, yeah, no. Okay. All right. I just... I'm, I'm, yeah, anyway, I'm a little wound up this morning. Let me, let me open and praise the Lord. We thank Him for His presence here. I thank you, God, that you are with us. I thank you for this amazing nation. I've asked, uh, we had confirmation, I'm going to ask Daniel and the team, at the end of the service, I want to do the Lee, uh, Lee Greenwood song, God Bless America. I just would think we ought to do that together. And, uh, you know, there's such a great history. I encourage you to look up some of the history on Appeal to Heaven as one of the first flags that the nation stood together on. There's a lot of uh, people that are critical of this nation. 
I have visited many, many nations, both for General Electric and in my mission. There is no other place like this place, right? So, we need to make sure the next generation understands that, and so, praise God. Well, let me, uh, I want to share with you a couple of concepts here this morning in, in our time. I believe that life is built on real, really two foundations of belief. That's really simplifying, but go with me on this for a moment. There are two foundational beliefs that really are, and they're actually spirits. The first is the spirit of fear or the foundation of fear, and the spirit of love and the foundation of love. Remember, in, uh, we know that 1 John talks about God is love. He says it over and over again in 1 John chapter 4. God is love. It also says that He is the spirit of love. But we also know that he, uh, Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy, right? He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So if God didn't give a spirit of fear, who did? Yeah. Right? And so if you go with me on this, if we know that perfect love, we, in 1 John 4, 18, it says, perfect love expels fear. That's a strong word. Actually, commands fear. And when you do a deliverance ministry, you know, Jesus didn't say, well, I just hope the demon will just leave. No, he came and he commanded the spirit out, right? He had authority to speak. That's that same word that the perfection of love expels, commands fear, the spirit of fear. Now, we've had a whole lot of folks walking in a lot of fear the last year, fear of dying, fear of COVID, fear of failure. Man, it's just been awful. And you see the manifestations of that taking place in our society today. Suicide rates and depression and, man, it's just nuts. As Christians, this should not be so. There are a bunch of sisters that run with the spirit of fear. Lack, low self-esteem, fear of failure, not being good enough, orphan spirits, those that say, you know, God has not accepted, jealousy. Those are all rooted in fear. And so, and they're all based upon a spirit. And so, we want to talk this morning about this place where Jesus, I, I love what Pastor Willie preached last week, but there's a, there's a place in Scripture in John 6. Remember when Jesus feeds the 5,000 in John 6? You don't have to turn there. I'll just simplify it. In John chapter 6, He feeds the 5,000 men, right, plus others. So, there's probably around 10,000 people He feeds. At the end of that, the people are still out there. That nightfall comes. Jesus is pretty worn out from ministry. He heads up into the mountains to pray. While he's in the mountains, the disciples are down at the Galilee, and they wonder where he is. They pack up, and they head out, and they start rowing across the Galilee. They get four miles out, and a, a storm comes up. Now, if you've ever been in a gale on the waterway, I'm going to share a story that we had last week, or a week and a half ago. Um, it'll, um, I've been in both the Merchant Marine and the Navy, and I've been in storms. I was in a storm in the North Atlantic on a surface ship. We call them targets for those who are nuclear submarines. Anyway, I was on this surface ship, and we were in a, in a storm, and at the end of that storm, there were no atheists left on that boat. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, it, we thought we were all going to die. And so, if you've ever been in a storm, so they're coming across, they're rowing, and all of a sudden, a gale comes up on the Galilee, and they are fearful. Jesus comes walking on the water, and it's like... And you know that story, right? And he says to them, they think he's a ghost, he says, and he says these words. It's actually the title of the message. Don't be afraid, I am here. 
man, you ought to just write that and put it on your refrigerator, post it on your mirror. Don't be afraid, I am here. You can base a whole lot of theology on that. He's here. He's got it. And there's over a hundred scriptures that says, don't be afraid. I'm in control. I've got this, right? So as you pull this back, most a question I have for you is, how many of your thoughts and your actions are motivated by fear? Just think about that for a minute. Analyze your thought life for a little bit. During the day, what, what crop, what do you meditate on that kind of comes into your brain? Because those thoughts need to be taken captive, right? We know that from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. He says, capture your thoughts, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds, taking every thought captive and bringing it into subjectivity to Christ. So you gotta, you got to run through the Holy Spirit sieve of your brain what was that thought, and what's the root of that? Is that fear-based? If it's anxious, low self-esteem, fear of failure, not being good enough, I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to have it. Be still and know that I'm God. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. And so, once we would do that, there's a real benefit to that. You know, I love to look at how science is starting to prove some of these things. There's a book that was uh, actually written by Swindoll, and he, I, think, I don't know if he was the first to quote it, but fear, you've probably heard this acronym before, fear is false expectations appearing real. A false expectation that appears to be real, that's fear. In First uh, John where he says, he, perfecting of love expels that fear. But he goes on and he, and he shares, in fact, let's turn, let's turn there a minute, I think it's good we would look at it. Turn with me to First John chapter 4. John writes this, he's the elder statesman, at the time he writes this, he's the only surviving apostle, all the others have been martyred, and he talks about his eyewitness account, that I wrote this, that you would know that he's real. Boy, that, when Peter writes that in his last will and testament in First Peter, Second Peter, and then when John writes it here, and he goes on and he says, in the beginning of chapter 4, he talks about the Antichrist has come into the world, but you belong to God, children. You've already won your victory. The spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit in this world, right? He says that in verse 4. But then drop down to verse 18, 1 John 4, 18. Such love has no fear. It has no fear. No fear. Because perfect love expels King James says, casts it away, casts out fear. When you're so perfected in the love of God, it can't, it's like, it, it's just repelled like a, a magnet. It's repelled, it can't land. It, it just, uh, for fear brings punishment, and it shows that we are not fully experienced His perfected love or His perfect love. We are to love each other because He loved us first. So, the truth is that all of us have aspects of fear. And there's, there's godly fear. You know, when a storm's coming, you make preparation, right? He also says that a prudent person sees what's coming and makes preparation. Now, there are those who, well, I'll just trust God for the whole thing. Okay, if that's where God's got you. But you might want to make some preparation. Your batteries, your lights, you know, tie down your... There's just wisdom in that. A storm's coming, you probably ought not to go on the waterway. Tom? Tom? <laughs> 
right? We didn't know it, I know. And so, so this, there's this, there is godly fear, wisdom that comes, but then there's also this manufactured expectation of fear. Um, there's an interesting article, I would encourage you to look at this if you like, but it says, 85% of what you worry about never happens. That's a statistic. In fact, it's even greater than that. 500 years ago, Michel de Montaigne quoted this. He said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. (laughs) Now, there's a study that proves it. The study looks at how many of the imagined calamities never materialized. In this study, subjects were asked to write down the things that you've worried about in a consistent way over a long period of time. So write those down. It says, they realized that, lo and behold, 85% of what people worried about regularly never happened. And the 15% of the things that did happen that they worried about, 79% of the people who were tallied said they discovered that they actually could handle the difficulty and they actually learned something in the process. So when you put the two together, 97% of the stuff that you are anxious about is not worth worrying about. So Montaigne's quote, it's not a joke. Actually, scientific, remember a couple of months ago, I shared with you about quantum faith. And in quantum faith, we looked at people, turns out Christians, this is a statistic, this is science, Christians who are born-again believers, spirit-filled, live longer and are happier than the rest of the folks. Why? Don't be afraid. I'm here. What are you worried about? I got this. He's large and he's in charge, right? Well, there's the consequence. We also shared, well, why is that true? There's serious problems associated with stress, hormones, cortisol that raises your stress levels, that brings a shrinking mass in your brain. You're, actually, your brain gets smaller when you worry. Who would have thought that, right? It lowers your IQ. Some of us can't afford that, right? <laughs> You're being prone to heart disease, premature aging, Lord, help us, family dysfunction. Why? Because you try to medicate your pain or your fear or anxiety by other stuff. And so, this, is, this reminded me of my mom. You know, my mom's going to be 95 years young. Woohoo! Glory to God. Well, a lady from this church was asked to go pick up Martha. She's in her 90s, and uh, she'll probably be quite fail, frail, the woman thought. So this lady went to the door, knocked on the door to pick up Martha, take her to a doctor's appointment. Instead of seeing this frail and old person, Martha was surprised to see this spry lady who looked like she was in her 70s. And the woman was so taken back, she says, do you mind if I ask you a question? What's your secret? <laughs> he says, well, honey, let me tell you this. 30 years ago, I made a decision to stop worrying about things, and I haven't wasted a moment since. In fact, think about all the energy and all the anxiety and the loss of sleep and the insomnia and all the torture that goes on when we worry about stuff. Now, so, well, well, Pastor, you can't just push a button. You're right. There's a belief that has to happen. There's a spirit of love that has to take over. He's my lover. He's got me. He's got it. Why, do, why am I afraid? When I look at how my, we take care of our children and grandchildren, it's like you don't let them play in traffic. You let, you know, they, you, they, he's so much better at this than we are. Why have we missed this? It's like 
Give us wisdom on this, right? So there's, a, there's another article I, I downloaded here. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And then it's just, look at some of these scriptures. You might want to meditate on them. Uh, Charles Swindoll, he wrote a book called Perfect Trust. He says, quote, worry is a characteristic of the heathen, not the Christian. Remember he said in Matthew 6, righteousness, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The lilies, they don't worry. They're dressed like better than Solomon, right? The birds don't toil. They, he's used it as an example of, so what are you worried about? Anyway, it's something about the belief system. We don't really believe he's a good father or that I'm not his. And the more that we realize how big he is and who we are in him, the more love is being perfected in us. And then you can relax. He's got it. He's got it. And even when trouble comes our way, here's some scriptures. This is what the Lord says, right? This is out of Isaiah 8. Now, those who are worried about politics, not that I would ever preach on that, um, politics and pandemics and all that, it says, this is a quote from Isaiah 8, 11 to 13. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear. What they fear, do not dread. The Lord Almighty is the one to regard who is holy. He is the one who you are to fear. Remember, wisdom, the beginning and reverence of God is the beginning of all, right? To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here's some more scriptures. Uh, Isaiah 41.10, don't fear, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, I am your God. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. That's my life verse. The scripture that's before that, verse uh, 9, says, I've called you back from the ends of the earth to serve me. If you've read my book or know my story, that's, that's my life verse. And so, because I was kind of fearful, like, oh, Lord, um, I'm going to become a pastor, and what's that going to be like? And, well, here we are many years later, praise the Lord. The things I worried about, other things happened. <laughs> and he delivered us from that too. Praise the Lord. Fear of religious persecution. Do not fear. Hear me. Know this. People have taken instruction. Don't be fearful of mortals or terrified by their insults. Don't be afraid. I've commanded you. Be, be strong and very courageous. They will have no fear of bad news. If you fear bad news, some people walk in a spirit of dread, just waiting for the next thing to go wrong. Get rid of that spirit of dread. It'll mess with you. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in the triumph of, over their foes. So the point of this, but I want to offer you something even greater. Wouldn't it be wonderful not to have fear? But what about the realm that is beyond no fear? peace. It's one thing to have no fear, but it's another place to walk in peace. And that is the life-giving power of God. That's where when you're peaceful and you just, your blood pressure, all your anxiety, just be still and know that I'm God. There is a realm in God that is even beyond. It's, it's rooted in love. It's that grounding in love, but it's rooted beyond Fear, not fearful, but I'm in peace. Now, let me give you some wonderful scriptures that, um, that deal with this. And I've listed a bunch of them there on your handout. If you don't have the handout, I encourage you to get it. Um, 
Let me read first a verse in Psalm 46. This, I read this this morning in our pre-service prayer. They're right here, honey. Anybody need one copy of the handout? Okay, thank you. Take a bunch and hand those out if there's a couple that need them. In Psalm 46, verse 1, she's got them right there. There's one page. Oh, they're all gone? All right. All right, praise the Lord. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3 says this, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Now, these are things that ought to cause people to be ups- get freaked out, right? The earth is giving way. The mountains are falling into the sea. The waters are roaring, and the foam of the mountains quake. And he says, he'll be a present trouble in time of need. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, we know if you've read the Scriptures, right? Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, Jesus warned us there's tribulation coming on the earth that has never been seen or nor ever will be. It's coming. And so, he also says, I will keep you from that which is coming on the whole earth in Revelation chapter 3. Many believe that's the rapture. And depending on whether you're a pre-rapture, post-rapture, pre-trib, mid-trib, hey, I always say it's going to pan out, right? I'm a pan-tribber. It's... And it's regardless of where we find ourselves, God has got us, right? He says, so there's a mess coming, and it's going to get so fearful. Revelation says those who don't believe, they're actually going to call the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from who's coming. But those who know their God, it's going to be like, He's coming, right? And so that's why He said, so I want to look at these Scriptures that are beyond. If you look at the top of your handout there, Moving beyond the lack of fear to possess the God of peace. It's wonderful to not live in fear, but there's even a greater realm in God beyond no fear. A realm of peace that Philippians, Paul tells us, passes human understanding. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Jesus said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you're going to have trials and sorrows. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So if you look at these 1 through 11 here, God is a God of peace, and He wants to be with us. Look at these are quotes. The God of peace, 1 Thessalonians. So not only is He a God of love, He's a God of peace. Right? He goes, He's the Prince of Peace. Look at that, Isaiah 9. He's not only the God, He's a Prince over peace. <laughs> peace is a person. He's the Lord of peace. Look at that. Number three, 2 Thessalonians. He's the Lord. He's the Prince. He's the God of peace. The kingdom of God is what? Romans 14 describes the definition of the kingdom, right? Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, look at this progression. If you will walk in righteousness, and you're already declared righteous, if you're a believer in Christ, Romans 3 through 6, look at the number of times. Count the number of times he says, you have been made righteous because of your faith in Christ. Just like Abraham. When you believe Christ, you become marked in righteousness. Now, you may have to get cleaned up like all of us, right? We've got to walk this out. You've got to walk in righteousness. John uh, warns us, don't you make 
think that you can get away with a whole lot of stuff. And we've talked about you want to be a, once saved, always saved, or you believe you can lose. We're not going there this morning. We've done that before. But I want us to know when you walk in righteousness, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, you've been declared righteous, and now by your walk in righteousness, what happens? Peace comes. When you're in righteous, when you are in a righteous relationship with God, you know it. And when you're not, you know it. Amen? Because the Holy Ghost is there saying, come on, son, what are you doing? Or daughter, right? So he says, this is that place where righteousness, peace, and what's the manifestation of that? Joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. What are you worried about? Nothing. It's all going to work out. I'm going to live forever. What's your story? <laughs> you know, and so this is this God of peace. Now he goes on in number five, he says, he's the bond of peace. We're bonded. You ever, you look at a bondo, you are bonded to the Prince of Peace. And then he goes on and says, there's a covenant of peace. There's a contract of peace. He's contracted peace for you if you want it. It's available if you want it. It's, it a lot starts right here between these two things, right? I'm pointing to my ears, those that, okay. The covenant of peace. Then he goes on, I like in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, the God of love and peace will be with you. Now he's put them both together. The God of love and peace. Number eight, the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. You want your heart and your mind guarded? You want to put a, a guard over that? Stay with your mind in, in Christ. This is, a, it's, a, it's a discipline of life. There's a, it doesn't just happen. You've got to read the Word. You've got to study. You've got to continue to work on this, right? God said He would continue to perform it, right? Philippians 1, 6, He who began the work in you will perform it till the day that He comes. And then two, two, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, He says, giving us the desire to please Him. He's working in us, giving us that desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Wow. So not only does He call us, He then he gives us what we need in power and a desire to even do that pleasing, which then results in a righteous joy and peace. What a God we serve. Oh, my. <laughs> he had left nothing out. That's why in number nine, He says, make every effort to live in peace. Pursue peace. Number of scriptures there. Make every effort. In other words, there's got to be some sweat equity in this process. You've got to pursue peace. You've got to make an effort to get it. Now, he says, try to live in peace with everybody as much as is possible. There are some folks that I just can't live in peace with. Right? So, we're not going to dinner together. All right? I'll just do my best to love them, but I may not have to like them. Right? And so... I'm not being mean. I'm just saying there. He said, look, and this book is loaded with examples of they weren't with us, you know, don't have anything to do with them. How can, how can a believer be yoked with someone who's not in belief, right? Don't become a business partner with unbelievers. Don't become yoked to somebody. Don't even, I think the Scripture is clear, you're not supposed to even marry someone who's not a believer. You're going to cause a whole life of struggle, right? Anyway, that's another subject, rabbit trail. Make every effort to live in peace. Pursue it. Number 10, perfect peace is not the absence of war. 
And it's not the absence of anxiety or chaos. It's a person. That person is in you. Greater is he that dwells in you. That prince of peace dwells in That's why when Paul's writing this stuff, he's in prison. He's been beaten 39 lashes. How many times within one lash of death? Shipwrecked. Snake bit. And he's writing this stuff. He says, we've learned to be content in all things. I'm like, are you for real? <laughs> wow. What did, he, what did he get a hold of? He got a hold of the Prince of Peace. So if he's sitting in a prison and he's about to be executed, he even writes his final epitaph, right? I know that I'm going to be executed soon, but I've run my race and I'm pleased and now I wait for the return of what he's got for me. Wow, what a, what a God we serve, that that power, that, that peace, it's a fruit actually. We know that, right, from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, self-control. Love, joy, and peace. Wow. Let me share with you, you know, God, um, we, had, we had wonderful experiences this past month, <laughs> but um, there was one that we decided we we're going to go on the water. I have a little boat. It's a little runabout. It's a 16-foot runabout. When I bought it, one of the things that attracted me to it on the side, the name of the boat is Legacy. I said, I like that, and it's Legacy, and so... We've had the boat, I don't know, 15 years something and a little 16-foot runabout. And so we love to, when the kids come, when we have a special place. We, we launch our boat at Trails End. We go right across to Masonboro Island. It's literally right across the waterway, this little spot there, and, and we camp, and the kids catch crabs and all that stuff, right? So we got everybody together, but the boat can only handle like five people at one time. And so we shuttle them, right? It's right across the waterway. So it was a beautiful day about 10 days ago, and blue skies, everything, wonderful day. I had spent, got a, my kids from Texas, Papa, you're going to try to flip us, right, from that thing, you, you know, when you pull those, the, uh, the tube behind the boat, you're going to try to flip us, right? You can't flip me. My 13-year-old, my, my he's the one, right? You can't flip me. He's the one that tries to do arm wrestles. And he's, you know, anyway. So we're, so, you know, you can't test my manhood. I'm going to, I got to flip him, right? And so, and so, so anyway, we hook up and we're doing it. We, we went several times during the day. I took them out and then Sarah arrived and um, we were there. So I have three, they just, she just says, I'll take them out. So she takes the three grand boys out and they're riding the boat out on the waterway. They come back and say, well, Sarah, Sarah wants to go with us now too. Come on, Papa, you got to drive the boat. So again, all right. So I get on the boat. I leave my cell phone, my wallet, everything. This is going to be a short ride, just, you know, right? We go out on the waterway. Well, so I forget who was in the tube. Isaiah and Jensen, right? I had two of the Texas boys in the, in the tube. And that's the one that said I can't flip them. So when the, water, when the boat goes by and the wake is high, that's a really good time to hit the wake. And you go in a circle, man. It, and wow, I flipped them a couple of times. Anyway, so there was, there, was this, there was this wake coming. I hit the wake and I went up. And as soon as I hit that wake, the engine quit. And I'm like, and it's dead in a doornail. So now Sarah myself and Elijah, Isaiah, and Jensen. So I got three grandkids, and, and we're dead. We have no cell phone, no wallets, nothing. We're dead in the water, and we're, and we're floating down the waterway. People are waving to us. Say, hey, 
I'm not shooting my flares yet or anything, but all of a sudden in the back, we start seeing dark clouds. You start here, and you hear the rumbles. I said, now, this is a perfect storm. I've got my wife and the dog and um, Juan and three grandkids and Laura are all stranded on Masonboro Island waiting for me to come back, and I have no cell phone. So we're floating towards Wrightsville Beach down the waterway, and we're quite a ways off the... Off the so we had prayed. It turns out I pray every morning for all of y'all. I pray for your families, and I, it's discipline. This one I added in the morning, Lord, no drownings, no injuries, you know, watch over us, keep the... All right. And Laura prayed also that morning. And so as we're going down the waterway, my grandson says, you want me to just dive in, Papa, go to the shore and try to find help? I said, no, let's stay right here. We're getting closer. <laughs> Well, the, on one of the really wealthy properties, there's like a hundred yards of dock and a gazebo. The storm is coming. You can see the dark clouds. The wind's picking up. You can hear rumbling in the background. And here comes a nice lady with two of her friends all ready for the beach to go. And they're walking down the dock. They bring their golf cart up, walking down the dock. I'm like, this is not a really great time to go to the beach. Um, what's coming? But that's God's provision. So Sarah yells out, hey, can, we're about ready to crash your dock anyway. Can we tie up there? We're dead in the water. Oh, yeah. She comes down, helps us out, says, what's happening? We have no cell phone. We, you know, so, well, she tries to get her husband on the phone. Let's see if he knows something about boats. We're trying to get it started. doesn't work. Meantime, you can hear the rumbling getting louder, darker, darker, darker. All of a sudden, I mean, the wind is going horizontal. The hail is as big as, as dimes. We're like, we get on the phone, we call Laura and say, take cover. They've got the canopy. So Laura and Sarah, and I mean, Sarah's with me. They get under the canopy, under the tree, and I'm thinking, this is not a really great place during a lightning storm. But we got to rescue them, but I'm dead. So at this point, we finally say, she finally says, look, I've got Cito in my phone. Do you want me to call him? Calls him. It's $275 an hour. I don't care get him here. So he comes out of Wrightsville Beach. His name's John. And this lady says, well, you can't get everybody in the boat. You got to go rescue the family. You got to have life jacket. They can't put people in the boat. They got to be in your boat, but your boat's dead. I said, she goes, I'll tell you what, let me take your daughter and the three boys and I'll bring them to your house and you can wait here. And so they get all in the golf cart and everything. They go to this beautiful house on the waterway, right? So anyway, long story short, here comes John, lights on. This squall is now full bloom. I mean, I am taking cover. The wind is blowing as hard. And so he comes by. He goes, what's going on? My boat's right there. It's dead. He goes, well, what about, I got people stranded on the island. My wife, my daughter, my son-in-law, and three grandbabies and a dog. He goes, we got to get them. I said, yeah. He goes, all right, get in the boat. So I throw all the life jackets in, and he's got this boat. It's one of those pontoon boats. With they, you can pull boats off sandbars. and I've had that happen, too, before. Anyway, so I know that. And so you don't want a boat with me. Anyway, so, so this guy gets, he goes, and we're going down the waterway. I said, we've got to go around the island to get to them. He goes, this is the worst squall I've ever been in in any of my rescues. It was really, by this time, the lightning, and I'm not exaggerating, the lightning bolts are, they look like they're hitting Masonboro Island. They were. They, they were, oh. <laughs> and I'm praying, Lord, help us, Lord, right? As soon as we get to, you see this, nothing there but a bunch of our stuff. They're in the trees under the canopy with all the babies taking cover, hail's falling down. I whistle, 
the only one who comes is my dog. <laughs> Figure that one out, right? And so, so here comes Wolfie. He says, we got to get out of here, Papa. I throw him in the boat, right? And then they come running out and says, get into the boat. Laura's got the baby, you know, little Rosalie, right? 18 months, 19 months. Annabelle's three, Gabriel's five, right? And so John says, get all the stuff, get in the boat. Get all your stuff, throw it in the boat. So we throw everything in the boat. Well, now we got to balance the boat. My wife almost goes overboard. When he hits, when he hits full throttle on that thing, <laughs> yipes. And so as we get to trail's end, the rain stops. The lightning stops, right? The water's running off this deep and from the, but and he goes, now I'll go get your boat. And he prayed. This was John. Now I want you to see this. God makes a provision. A woman who goes to the beach with her three friends in the middle of a storm, who happens to have a cell phone with quick call right on her, so you know, that can call the tow company. John, as a Christian, comes out of Wrightsville Beach, and he has all the equipment. He goes, this is the worst storm I've ever been out here in. And he goes, we need to pray. Let's pray. So we pray. I gave him a wonderful tip. And uh, I said, John, you realize you really did a life rescue today? He goes, hmm. He goes, wow, okay. It was, so what's the point? I can't say that any time in my spirit I was afraid. I was kicked into high gear of we got to do what we got to do. But I recalled thinking back, I mentioned to Lord says, you know what? We prayed for God to make provision and protect us. Start your day in prayer. Plead the blood of Jesus every day. I plead the blood of Jesus every, I'm not exaggerating, every day. The blood of Jesus will answer. When you've been up against demonic re realms of darkness, I remember a time when we were in high school, and we were at Fire Island. This is down Long Island. And we got my wife-to-be. She was my girlfriend at the time. We've been married 40 eight years. Praise the Lord. But, but we dated for a bunch of years before that. She got caught in a riptide. Now, I wasn't even a born-again, spirit-filled Christian at this time. Mom argues with me on that, but I'm just telling you what I think. And so, I remember her getting caught in it. I had just passed my rescue life-saving course, and I didn't have anything to save her. We had a truck tire that we had tried to put out in the, in the water. And we had tried, my friend and I had tried to launch it in the surf, couldn't get it out there. And Ginny's being caught in this riptide, and she's going out, and she's in trouble. I'm, literally, I think she's going to die. And I turned to my friend Craig. I said, try to get the tube in. I got to go save her. So I, I get out there. Now I'm, I'm pretty fit. I just passed this lifeguard saving test in the pool. I saved my instructor in the pool. <laughs> and I got the card to prove it, right? So I put her in a chest carry, and I'm and we're caught in the riptide, and I realize we're both going to die. I'm not kidding. I, I, at that moment, I realized I can't save her and myself. And I cried out, Jesus, help me! And instantly, that truck tube that we had tried 45 minutes to get out ourselves, two guys, all of a sudden, that truck tube is right there. It got caught in the riptide. And I, I turned to Ginny. I said, get on the tire. I can't hold on. I said some choice words that I repented for later. Told her to hold on. Right? And for the next 25 minutes, kicking to get that tube in, I have never, in all of my days of wrestling, running track, I thought I would die. Literally, boom, boom. I laid on the... And then later I had reflected on, Jesus really saved us. One day he'll say, I'll probably see the swimming angel that dove in or something. <laughs> but 
Here's my point. We need to pray in advance for covering of the blood of Jesus in every circumstance because it's not about the absence of war and it's not about the chaos that's going on in the, in the nations. We have a God who is the prince over all things, who is the God of peace. That's why Jesus could sleep in the boat in the middle of the storm and get angry at the disciples and says, you have so little faith. So whatever storm's going on in your life right now, and I know you, I, have, I have insight to many of your storms, you need to ask God to give you a peace and to access the perfecting of that love. He is so big, it may not make sense, and you may not like it, and you may not even like the outcome, but the ultimate part of that is He works it all out for the good for those who love Him. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed.